welcome to Board Game Binge. The place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content from across the industry. I'm your host, James Staley, and in this episode, we're chatting with Stefan Godot of Godot Games. Stefan is the guru of social deduction with the design of the Human Punishment series, and now he's back with a new title, Among Cultists, which is currently on Kickstarter. Stefan, welcome to The Binge. How are you doing, sir? Thank you so much for letting me here again today. So, you know, it's it's been a while, and this were some crazy years uh, with COVID and all the, all the crazy things, but I'm pretty happy to be here. It is awesome to have you back. For those who, uh, who don't know you, uh, if they go back to episode 66, you were last on this podcast more than a year and I think a half ago. Uh, mm -hmm. We had a great time then. Mm -hmm. We talked about uh, your last uh, campaign. I'm excited to talk about this one. Uh, for people who don't know you or you in this industry, because you're obviously on the other side of the pond, can you give us just kind of a, a quick recap of of yourself, how you got into the industry and uh, Godot games? Yeah, sure. So I'm Stefan Godot. I'm from Germany. And um, yeah, I'm a board gamer since years. I have no clue where I started my, my board game career. But I started as a designer uh, six years ago. And uh, I started with a small card game, which is called Human Punishment Social Deduction 2.0. So this is a social deduction game. And it's it's pretty tricky because you can win this game without lying. So this is a, it's a little bit unique for the social deduction genre. And uh, this was a big hit on Kickstarter, and uh, we had lots of success there. And at this moment, I was alone in, in, with my company, with Godo Games. But I saw that there is so much stuff to do, and I can't do everything on my own. So uh, I brought some some friends um, to, to, to my party, and now we are four guys. And now we are doing this a little bit um, bigger and better, of course. And yeah, we had another campaign, an expansion for the card game, which, which was a big success, of course, too. Uh, yeah. Because the people loved the card game, so this was... Uh, it was a no-brainer for me that we can uh, advance this a little bit, and uh, yeah, afterwards we we tried to um, uh, try to build more. We, we tried to create more world building for us because I'm I'm a big fan of world building. I love it if you if you know have lots of games and lots of stuff in the same world with characters from this location and and all the things you can do about it. So we tried to um, bring a little bit more more theme here. So we um, created Human Punishment at the beginning, which is the pre story of the other card game of course because in, in this game you could play the, the the beginning of the story you know it's the name and afterwards you can play the card game which is the outcome of the beginning so in the, in the beginning has lots of outcomes in the game so maybe the machines the evil players can win the game or the good players but maybe um maybe the machines don't uh, win the revolution uh, the fight there is no machine revolution in the next card game. So maybe there are no machines in the next game. And so there are lots of outcomes and everything can change. So this was a pretty exciting experience for us. But of course, the beginning was uh, for the timing, uh, not, not the best moment in our life because there was COVID and there were the container shipping prices, which killed us nearly. So um, yeah, yeah but, but in the end, we are still alive. Uh, we are still standing. And um, yeah, now we are back with another social deduction game. So you could say this is, uh, yeah, you, you know, it's it's our genre because I, I'm, I'm pretty sure this is the one genre where you can do uh, lots of new things into, into it. Because I, if I'm looking to a deck builder or something, like that there's so much stuff and i, I think uh, i don't need another deck builder in my life yeah um, 
but I think in social deduction, there's lots of potential form for new ideas and for, oh, yeah. for new inspiration. So we are still here and uh, our next project, of course, brings a new step to it. But it's not it's not a social deduction 2.0. Maybe it's the 3.0. I have no clue. But I think there are some new twists, of course. With your uh, your prior games, Human Punishment, uh, I, I think that's a really cool concept, how you can have one game kind of bleed into the next game, right? And, and impact the next game setup. When you did those campaigns, which again, congratulations, those campaigns did very, very well, right? So mm -hmm. um, did you find that you were able to carry over the same backers or mm -hmm. did you find that with each campaign, the new backers would go back and, and also pick up uh the the original game as well or you know how does those percentages work where you had like what percentage of people that are playing that are playing all three versus any one of those like individually yeah so 100 i would say this because um um of course you you know it's like if you're on convention you would see the same faces every year and you are happy to see them that they come back to your to your booth and say hey i'm yeah. here what's what's new and what can i what can i buy and it's the same on kickstarter or on crowdfunding so we have lots of backers and they are back and they say say hey i loved your last games we're happy for the next one and uh, of course they are all social deduction gamers and i think it's of, of course it's, it's a smart move that we are in the same genre uh, um, with all our games because yeah. it's the same crowd if i would start a, starting creating a, a child game i'm pretty sure it would be a hard time for us because we wouldn't uh, see the same backers uh, in our campaign so i think um this is a, a good idea uh, if you are doing more stuff that you are try to to build your crowd and this works of, of course perfectly if you are in, in, in your in your niche you know if you're in, yeah. in your spot if you are lacerda he, he will only do social uh, uh, euro games of course work replacement games because this is his his thing, of course, and yeah, I th I think this, it's it's the same it's the same for us. Yeah, that's a good point. We talk about that a lot on this podcast. The importance of kind of sticking to your brand, right? Mm -hmm. And yes. it's very costly to build an audience uh, around your company and around your offering. And you know, to your point, if you know you're doing social deduction and adult type games, and then all of a sudden you switch and do a kids game next. I mean, you're bringing very little of your audience over and you're having to rebuild that audience each and every time. And it's it's tougher to get kind of that exponential growth through your building on the what's come before you, right? So uh, that's very, uh, very astute of you to, to do that, to say, you know, this genre for us is what we are excelling at and uh, we're going to keep uh, figuring out ways to expand it and, and explore it and look for other areas that uh, that we can stretch into, which I think is uh, is super cool. Um, during COVID, so you mentioned COVID almost killed mm -hmm. you. And I'm thinking back to the timing of that campaign. What, did it almost kill you because you had finished the campaign, mm -hmm. then the, containers, uh, the container uh, shortage uh, issue hit, so you had got hit with a cost that you went you weren't anticipating is that kind of where you got caught you're one of the companies got caught in, in the middle yeah yeah that's a good good spot so um we yeah. calculated with two thousand euros for a container and yeah. after our campaign they were at 17 uh, seven seventy thousand around about it's it's it was insane and we needed five containers so um yeah this was um not possible to calculate at the start of the campaign so um yeah this was pretty hard and we had two options of course we had we could say there were some others and they said okay hey guys hey backers we need more money uh would you give us more money or there was the other option and we we chose the other option we said okay um 
why not we will we will do it on our on our own we will not ask for money more money we we, we have uh, backers and they want their games and we th we think it's a it's a good way to bring uh, happiness to the people so yeah. we we paid this everything with with our company yeah that's uh, that's admirable because those were massive increases and yes. uh, that that's a lot to eat right so that's the difference between sometimes people making profit and in, in either a breaking even or losing money uh, i know a lot of people actually lost money uh, mm -hmm. when that happened and it wasn't so bad if you came in just after it happened because you can you could build that into your pricing right it's the people where it happened before um where the campaign was was complete but they hadn't got to the point where the, the games are shipping and the increase happening in between those two points, like it happened to you guys. Like there's, there's literally no way to a anticipate that because it was kind of a, this one-time event that hadn't happened in, yes. like, ever. And, um, and two, most of us are small, small manufacturers. We're small publishers, right? So that's a lot for a small company. It's a lot for a big company to absorb, but even a small company, Oh yeah, it can break people. Right. Mm -hmm. So there were also big companies, and they if still problems with their shipping and, and all those things. You know, they yeah. are way bigger games. You know, there are so so games with so much miniatures and big miniatures and stuff like that. So I'm pretty happy that our games are just a normal size. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No kidding. And so now you've got four uh, team members on 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 your team. Now is everybody doing this full time, or is it are <clears> they still like some of the team members? doing other stuff and this or how's that dynamic working so yeah we have we are all part-time here in, in godot games so we are still yeah. having all our full-time jobs we have all have children and uh, <laughs> houses to pay you know and sure. and and all the stuff um but we're doing this with passion so it, you know it's a little bit like batman we're working at night and uh, we have meetings <laughs> at night and uh, doing all the stuff and but but, but we love what we are doing you know if, if we are at conventions this is the best time of the year so the people are yeah. at your booth and they're happy you, you hear them screaming you know it's a social action games for us so they scream at your at your booth and this is the best yeah yeah i was talking about that in the last podcast i did uh, i did an episode which is me straight the mic uh to kind of kick off the new year and kind of reflecting on this this upcoming year and you know i mentioned it in there is that you know most of us you don't have day jobs right like that's mm, what's yes. paying the bills and this the board game side is a passion right we're doing it because we love it yes. we're doing it because it brings us immense joy those who are really lucky, it brings them money as well. Um, but you know, for a lot of us, we're kind of breaking even, or maybe getting a little bit above breaking even. And it's the passion and the, I think the drive that at some point it will grow to something that can, you know, sustain itself on its own. Um, but it's it's quite the journey to get there. I know for you personally, because you've sent a lot of people my way, even for this podcast, you've taken on this kind of mentorship role in the industry, which mm -hmm. I think is amazing. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that? Uh, how you're you're starting now coach other people in this industry? Yes, sure. So of course we have had already um, four or uh, fourth campaign is already uh, live at the moment, but we had three campaigns in the last years, and there were so many guys, and, and I, I got questions every day, and they asked, "Hey, how can I do this? And how did you do this?" And and there were so many things, and every day I asked answer, I, I replied to them, and uh, there was one day I thought I thought, okay, maybe I start a Facebook group, um, so people can uh, can uh, um, exchange their their um, 
uh, yeah, their, their questions and all the things. And so maybe they don't ask me, they can ask uh, another person in the group. So this was a good idea, in my opinion. And they are at the moment, they are just, I think, 500 uh, members in the group. And it's just a German group, you know? So yeah. it's insane. It's, it's, they, they are all designers and uh, they all wanted to do uh, board game stuff. And uh, But these questions didn't stop. They, they still ask me every day. And so I thought, okay, uh, I will try it. So um, now I will. I'm, I'm a mentor for for um, yeah for 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 little small companies like us maybe. And so and I, I help them with all the stuff you need to build a Kickstarter. And there's most of the people think they can just launch the game and it's it's it's, it's easy. You know, you're just waiting for the backers. They will they will come uh, into the in this campaign. But it's not uh, it's not the truth. Of course, you must doing ninety percent. Of, or maybe maybe more of the stuff you will prepare and you will do is before your campaign. Oh, and yeah. um, people don't know this, of course, and people are doing lots of mistakes and you can you can spend so much money on on wrong decisions. And yeah, um, yeah it, it's the manufacturing with, with, with your influencer partners and there are lots of partners. They will not bring you backers into, into your campaign or they did not deliver good quality and all the other things. So there's lots of things you, you must do. And, and of course, the campaign itself, the updates, um, the, the contact with your backers uh, and all all the stuff there's so much to do and i would say um if, if on my first campaign if i had someone i could ask him lots of questions i would do this so and i think uh i love this at the moment because i can help people they are so happy that they that they get answers instantly so you know uh, they, they can't sleep at night because they have things in their head and they just send, send me a message and i can if of course if i'm if i'm awake so i can send them a, a message fast back and now they are happy and this is a pretty really cool job for me because i'm, I'm a gamer too and and i love uh, bringing good games to the market so yeah. uh, of course this is also my passion but now i can also get a little bit money for it of course <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's one of those things that this industry is is so welcoming and uh most uh developers and designers i've talked to uh want to pay it forward right uh mm -hmm. I, I have not run into anybody that hasn't been willing to provide advice or mm -hmm. lend somebody a hand or you know, uh, just be accessible. Shock yeah. Shockingly so. Like you, you know, the, the problem is most of the people say, hey, I, I have um, um, lots of back followers on my email list, on Instagram followers. Give me money and I will give you my 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 followers, you know. But yeah. this doesn't work in the end. If, you, if your campaign isn't on point, if your pledges are not on point, and if, if you are not on point and, and, and your, your, your speech, everything, if this is not the, 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 the language the gamers will talk, they will not understand you. They will not back your game. Maybe you have a good influencer and they will, they will push the backers to you, but they will not go into your campaign because your campaign is the, is the moment where the people stop to support you. So yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. You will get flooded uh, mm. with requests. As soon as you launch yes. a campaign, people start emailing you, hey, I've got this list of you know, 2,000 super backers and for X number of dollars, I will reach out to them and, uh, you know, it never works like yes. all that is just uh, you're just throwing money away and yeah. it, it you got to do the legwork unfortunately uh, that that's the hard part right is doing the legwork mm -hmm. up front to build that audience and build that audience way before you're ready to to launch yes and, and if you don't then just set your expectations really really low mm -hmm. <laughs> as to what yeah. you're going to deliver right um otherwise you're going to you're going to disappoint yourself um, so with Among Cultists, how did you come up with this idea? Like, where did this kind of stem from, the, the idea for this particular game? 
Yeah, this is uh, really exciting because, you know, um, our last game was the beginning <clears throat> and with um, um, COVID and all the stuff, there was lockdown and the people were at their houses and they don't, uh, were outside with friends and all the things. And uh, all the people tried to start, uh, they, they started to playing Among Us. It's, you know, it's a video game. It's a social deduction video game. Yep. And it's it's a social game. You can socialize at home with 10 friends. It's the best game of this uh, of this uh, last two years, you could say, because people had had something to tell to tell and to lie and you know it's it's like uh, you're going outside and have fun with your friends uh, maybe with, with a little bit backstabbing of course <laughs> and uh yeah and it was the perfect game for this moment and lots of people on reddit um had the idea they wanted a board game about among us so they printed out the the the, the maps and the characters and all the things but they had no clue how you how they could do it and i, I i've read all of all, all the things i'm i'm a bit i'm a big reader but i'm not a big I'm not not writing or something like that in, uh, on Reddit, but it, it was uh, exciting. And the people don't get the uh, the the mechanics to bring Among Us into a board game because if I if we, we have an encounter um, and I kill you, all players will see that you're dead. Or yeah. or if I can do it secretly, you know that you are dead. That you know that I'm an evil guy. You can't can't not talk uh, or not not tell the others. Uh, that I'm not the evil one. This is not possible, right? So, um, so um, this mechanic was um, the, the breaking point where no one could go further. Um, but I, of course, I, I, I'm doing lots of social deduction stuff in my head. So I had my ideas and I thought, okay, maybe I have an idea here. And I, I've, um, I had it in my mind, but I, you know, I wasn't in the beginning um, in this moment. But after the, my design work for the beginning, I started with the Among Us board game, you could say. Yeah. And yeah, and this worked pretty fine. We played this with, I think, around about 200 games on tabletop simulator. So, you know, meeting with seven friends is was not the best uh, part in the last years so it was a very good option to play this game online and uh, it spoke pretty well and so yeah and it's pretty good so now we have lots of good mechanics and this game um is really 100 inspired by the video game and all we, we played this game with lots of video gamers and among us players and they all they all have the, the same thing thinking that they they say this is among us as, as a board game you know so <laughs> and uh last year we were in a school and i played this with 10 year old kids and you know these kids have no board games at home but they but they have lots of among us experience yeah and i I, I showed them the rules 10 minutes and they played this game completely alone. They screamed and they, they were 10 years old and they had the same discussions uh, we had uh, uh, as adults, you know, and mm -hmm. this is insane. So they, they are just so small, but they have the same, the same lies and the same feelings and uh, the same discussions. This is absolutely great. So, yeah. Oh, super cool. Uh, let me first congratulate you that you've hit, it looks like I'm going to put this in Canadian dollars. It's the only way I can see it. Um, mm -hmm. One hundred thirty-six thousand uh, dollars on a goal of twenty-seven thousand uh, dollars, thirteen hundred fifty-five backers. That's like in in a day. <laughs> yeah, it was that much nice. <laughs> so, uh, congrats, man. That is Thanks. huge, right? And if that's indication of day one, oh baby, this thing is gonna just fly by the time you get to the end of this campaign. I'm sure you guys are gonna be doing cartwheels with where this lands. So I think that's a testament to the work you guys have put into building this uh, audience uh, to begin with. And obviously the kind of the, the, the subject matter and the, and the quality of this type of a game. Can you walk us through 
the gist of how to play this game. Uh, I am showing overlays for anybody who's watching this on the replay, um, but we'll try to use as descriptive language as possible. But can you kind of walk us through the essence of how to play among yeah. cultists? It's super easy. So you have it's for four to eight players. It's language, language independence. So There's nothing to read. It's pretty easy. We have the rules in eight languages. So there's uh, nearly no um, nothing to stop you to play the game, You know, of course. And yeah, you, you're playing with four to eight players. If you're with four to six players, you have one evil player at the table. So one cultist and if you're playing with seven or eight players then there are two cultists so two evil players yeah everyone has a, has a role a secret role of course and we are in the in a big university and the cultists were already there and they try to awake something evil and we have 10 hours or 10 rounds um, to avoid this so uh, we must go into the rooms we must uh, clean up the ritual stuff and all the things so that nothing evil could awake in this night but of course the problem here is uh, cultists are among us so um, they try to sabotage Hours, us of course so we try to get points in the rooms because we need some points until round 10 so we could win the game or we could go to the cafeteria and have a, and can start a vote and we can kill uh, possible cultists so um so we can kill players but this game has no player elimination if you are dead in this game you are just become a ghost and if as a ghost you have uh, other options so you have, have not uh, limited movement because you can fly through walls and stuff like that so a little bit faster but you have no encounters anymore because you are already dead right so mm -hmm. um yeah so you're trying to get points or vote out all cult cultists and on the other hand the cultists of course they can sabotage your points they can bring secretly uh, sabotage cards into the rooms and of course if, every time you draw a card from a room you must shuffle the deck and if you see oh shit this is a sabotage card maybe you lose progress or you get no progress and so you must think about hmm, why is here another uh, sabotage card in this room who was in this location so there's a little bit of det detective work here which is pretty cool because you it, you know it's it's a cooperative cooperative game and um but of course, uh, not all pe people will know the truth. Some people will tell their their truth. Some people will lie. Some people uh, will forget things and all the things. And everything uh, mixed up is the perfect way to for for good social deduction stuff. So we call this game a social deduction thriller because this feels like you're in, in the Knives Out movie. So you know you are in, in this, in this old big mansion, and uh, you, there are also big shadows, and you you want you want to be alone because everyone could be a killer. And yeah, of course you're moving through through the through the rooms. Um, you have events. Maybe there's an event. The walkie-talkie is turns off, and now people can't talk for one round, which is absolutely uh, um, crazy because you don't um, want to encounter other players. So I would say, hey, guys, I need to go to the green room. Please uh, go go to somewhere else. But if they, if you can't talk to the other players, of course, you will you will have more chaos in, in, in your in your um, round. And there are lots of other things. Maybe there are secret doors which can open. And now are rooms connected. They are normally not connected, of course. One, one is on the left side, one is on the right side. Oh, okay. with, with, with a secret door, now they are connected. And if they are, both are as is is a player, now they have an encounter. They feel safe, but they are not safe anymore. So, so uh, and of course, an encounter is important. If you have an encounter, you put one part card secretly to the pulse deck of the other player. So this player will not know if this player is, is getting killed at this moment or if his character is still alive because the evil players can kill. And yeah, of course, you can check other players. You can check their pulse deck. And now you can see, oh, this person is dead. Now you comes a ghost, of course. Yeah. And now you can discuss who was who could be the killer, of course. But of course, if you are a, a bad guy and you check another player and you see, oh, he's dead, 
I can lie about it because <laughs> I, you, you know if I see a dead person in Among Us, I don't, don't need to push the alarm button. I can ignore the situation. So I can say, hey, he's alive. Don't worry. Put the cards back. And you play your game, so you can bring an alibi for your for your friend for your cultist partner and stuff like that. So there's lots of betrayal at the at the table. Yeah, that's cool. I think this idea of people not even knowing if they're dead, right? Because that card is hidden until it's kind of revealed. Yeah. It's revealed to one person only at a time. Um, it's it's a neat mechanic to keep people in the game, right? Because there's nothing. Yeah. That's one thing I don't like about some of these social deduction games is that once you're out, you're out. Right. And then you kind yeah. of sit around and then people get nervous of table talking from the dead people. And you always say, hey, dead people don't talk. Right. Yeah. But but, but, but this is not important for us because, because yeah. you, you don't know who killed you. So you can talk about everything, which is yeah. nice. And you can say, hey, I had a, an encounter with this one and this one. So maybe one of them must be the killer. Right. And of course, it's it's like in the Sixth Sense movie a little bit. So because uh, um, you are dead, but you don't know you are dead ghosts. Do your do their stuff because they think they are alive. They they're spooky in the house because they think you know, everything is fine uh, until someone came and and checked the pulse, you know, and then yeah, then things get uh, crazy. Oh, it, it sounds super awesome. The turn of social deduction to a board game, I think, is is just cool. Um, you have a, this down into the abyss expansion. So what is that? Is that something that people can get now as part of their pledge, or is that something that's coming later, or how's that work? It's already in the campaign, of course. So, you know, the, the, the host, host, host reduction needs more. I, I already told you this. So yeah. and I think this game brings the, the dungeon crawler aspect. So you have, you have rooms, you have uh, uh, ways to, to explore. You can do your own action. You know, do I want to check another player? Do I want to do something in this room? Do, do, uh, do I want to use the camera in the, in the security room to check something different or something like that? You can do things on your own. You have your own turn, your own decisions. There's no alpha player at the table because you doing your stuff and with the expansions um, there are two of them you have other options because there are other um, maps so there's another map um, um, where you are in, in, a, in a cave or in a mine mm -hmm. so and there's a revol revol revolving door so there's no uh, there, there is always one way blocked every turn, and this, uh, of course, this moves. So every turn is another way blocked. So you must think a little bit for your next round and all the things, because maybe your next uh, turn this way is blocked. Or there are also elevators, but you need, uh, of course, you need power. If there's no power, the elevator doesn't work. So this could also kill your your way or your route, um, which you need to go. And there's another map. Um, you have another map um, with five islands. Which is also pretty great because there are boats. You can use boats to travel from one uh, one one spot to another, and um, you can you can uh, drive with two players um, with the boat. But the problem here, of course, if you were driving with two players, you, of course you have an encounter, right? Maybe mm -hmm. you don't want to bring something into your boat. But if you're driving alone with your boat, uh, this person will not. Uh, can go this way because this, the boat is not available for this person anymore you know so there are other things that can happen of course they can tentacles they can reach out of the water and they can block um, um, ways and stuff like that so every map feels different and uh, and I think because this this adds a little bit more of the dungeon crawler this is absolutely perfect that you can change the location and I love this yeah uh, super cool and the boards the main board is modular I think I'll, I'll mention yes. that too right so depending on the, the player count you can kind of click in the board based on uh exactly yeah you know, how it's set up right so yes yeah, there are six parts and we need three setups depending on the player count so this is not possible but just, just a normal board so yeah so we decided that we have six parts and we can we can uh, switch them if you need them yeah 
Yeah. And then your uh, there's this customization kit, which is an add-on you can get, which I thought was cool too. That caught me right, right where you can put your own pictures so you can create your own characters uh, into the book so people you know can actually be part of the, yeah. the story too, which is kind of cool. Um, and then another thing I saw on your page, which I'm always looking for ideas, right? So being mm-hmm. a, a publisher myself, I'm always looking yeah. for what can I grab? What can I borrow from someone else's campaign? And this whole idea of language independence, Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do that all, on all my games, but I've never formalized how I actually explain that. Mm-hmm. And what I saw on your page is, is you do formalize that, right? So you got a big section where you talk about uh, no languages, right? And you, you yeah. call it language independent. And, you know, uh, you talk about, you know, hey, are, are, are you worried about having to read a bunch of things? We don't have to because we have a lot of iconography that lets you get through this game. And really the language part of the game is going to be the rule book only, but everything yes. else, depending on, you know, it doesn't matter what language you're playing it in, it's the same, you know, for everyone. Um, we try to do that on our games, mm-hmm. predominantly because I'm in a bilingual country where by law, any game I put on shelf has to have English and French. Okay. Um, but we also... Um, you know, obviously we'll try to German, Spanish, you know, uh, Portuguese, you know, so <clears> the, you know, the standard kind of gamer uh, languages that, that play. And it's very onerous to keep changing different versions of your, of all your components, right? So if you can create your game where everything is unilingual, for lack of a better word, and you're only yeah. changing the instruction book, that's much easier to handle from a manufacturing standpoint and, and even a distribution standpoint, right? Yeah. Um, so kudos to you guys on that. I thought that was uh, that's super cool. I'm going to borrow the language you've used around how to explain <laughs> that for my next campaign. because you, You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's awesome. What's next for you guys? So you, obviously social deduction is your genre. Are you working on another social deduction game? Is there a 2.0 coming of this world that you've built out? Or kind of what, what's the plans for Godot games? You know, um, it was so much fun to bring these maps into this game. And yeah. I really hope this is just season one. So in my opinion, uh, there are so many things we, you could do if you bring a dungeon crawler into a social deduction drawer. So maybe in the next uh, that next map, you are in the jungle with, with bridges and, and tigers and, and wild animals, which oh, cool. uh, could affect the game. Or maybe you are in, in uh, with the pyramids or something like that, but with secret with secret uh, ways and, some, and all the things. You know, there's so much potential for for new maps and of course there's space also... station do a space station <laughs> yes. area, f- area 51 who knows you know so yeah, there's yeah. so much potential for new maps and new mechanics you know it's just small mechanics but they bring lots of variety for the game and everything of course is is, is connected in this game you could, maybe you could play the roles from the core game but you lose the expansion from this one and you will lose another module from this expansion everything is connected in, in this game so you have no um no, nothing which not will not work together. So I think I really would love to add more more stuff to this game, and because I'm absolutely one hundred percent sure this, this is our best game so far. The feedback is absolutely insane. We have lots of let's plays online on YouTube, and the people they they are freaking out and they are they're screaming, and it's perfect. So I'm I'm pretty sure this game will be a big a big hit. And so I I, I would love to see a season two here. Yeah. Yeah. It looks, I mean, it looks awesome. And congrats on that uh, to you and your team. Uh, I want to wish you all the best on this campaign. I, I, I know it's going to crush it. It's already crushing it. And you're only in one day. Uh, I'll be watching this to see where it lands. 
Uh, and I want to thank you, quite frankly, for what you've contributed back to the industry. I, I think it's so wonderful uh, when I have somebody that is a new publisher and they're talking to me and they're name dropping you, which means you're mentoring them. And I, I think that's awesome. And I, so I just want to thank you for contributing and, and paying it forward to others. And I want to wish you all this best this coming year. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for playing me here again. So maybe <laughs> maybe next year with season two or who knows, you know, uh, I'll be there. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. We'll get you back for round three, my friend. You take care. Cheers. Perfect. Bye-bye. This has been an episode of the Board Game Binge Podcast, hosted by James Staley, produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner, with original music by Nick Smith. If you'd like to watch these interviews live, simply subscribe to our YouTube channel, Board Game Binge, and you'll get access to live interviews, giveaways, and interesting board game content from across the industry. I can't wait for you to join us. See you next time.